The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, there is not one single shred of any endeavor humans ever make that is not touched by the myth of morality. Myth? Why am I calling this a myth? Because the entirety of the good-evil polarity is based on a misperception about who we are. Because we believe that we're separate from the divine, we have devised a plan to be united, which involves us being good enough for such a reunion. And of course, if we're bad, then we just don't get to be reunited with the divine. Regardless of faith, we all have this deep sense of separation from the divine. And morality is at least a part of the plan to do something about that separation. But because we truly are not separate from the divine, we can get out of the morality game. You want to know how? Well, stay tuned today. We're going to be talking about how we do this and what what is this really all about. So morality. We have a deep-seated belief as a collective that if we do not um, sort of permeate our children with this notion that they must be good, then they will be bad. And we must teach children how to be um, uh, honest. We must teach them how to be kind. We must teach them all these things. But if we believed that they were divine beings who came here knowing that, that who they are and could reflect back, that back to them as a mirror and we could, so that they could look at us and see that, yes, I'm an authentic self. I don't have to become something else to be okay in this world then perhaps we wouldn't need morality. But we believe that we do, and we, there are so many of us who are so caught up in it. Right now, in my home state of Alabama, there's a big furor about uh, gay marriage. A lot of people mar- uh, protesting the fact that a federal judge has granted that gay marriage can happen in Alabama. And um, a lot of people saying that the people that are gay and lesbian are going to go to hell. A lot of people saying that the people that are gay and lesbian are going to, that are, are sinful and are immoral. And uh, so that brings that specter back up again. And it, this is not just in Alabama. It's not only nationwide, but worldwide. We have a sort of conspiracy of mind that says that we, there is a divide, a great divide between good and evil. And, and we can convince ourselves that this is true by just looking around the world. I mean, look at all the bad stuff that happens, There's shootings and drug abuse and um, rapes and all kinds of horrible things, not to speak of the collective energies of war and, and uh, genocide and those kinds of things. We, we live in a world where we're constantly pretty much afraid that bad stuff is going to happen, and our media perpetuates that, 
that idea every day, practically some hour of every day. There's somebody on media telling us about how bad life is here on planet Earth. So here's what I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting you turn off the news, and I'm not suggesting you stop listening and create for yourself a happy little fantasy in your head and tell yourself that everything is wonderful, although there are some people who who would perpetuate that idea. That's not what I'm suggesting. I am suggesting, however, that morality itself is a myth. Yes, that's what I'm saying, that we live into a code of ethics, a code of behavior that is not necessarily so. Thich Nhat Hanh said, uh, said it very well, and I'm not going to say it exactly like he said it, but what he says is that um, there are people who are very spiritual, who are doing great spiritual things all the time, and people look at them as moral giants. And yet these people, if they knew that these people were thinking, I don't even know what good and evil are, they would think they were crazy. And that is how it is, that we don't have to understand good and evil. We don't have to live into an archetype of goodness. We don't have to live away from an archetype of evil in order to um, be true to who we are or in order to, you know, win favor of the divine. We just have to be who we absolutely are. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how it how it works, this morality thing. What we've taught ourselves and perpetuated down through history is this mythology that says that when my conscience nags at me, which means I feel guilty, when I feel guilty, what that means is that I'm, I'm a good person because if I'm, a, if, if I'm not a good person, I don't feel guilty. So when I feel guilty, I'm a good person. That's kind of a measuring that a measuring stick that I use to say, oh, I must be a good person because I feel guilty. So that's A. B is that when we, when we have this guilt feeling, we're supposed to honor it by obeying it. So, so many people uh, over the years that I've worked with have come into my office and sat down and said, you know, I have to do this because if I don't, I'm going to feel really bad. I, I have to go take care of X, Y, and Z because if I don't, I'm going to feel really bad. And they've lived their life out of that kind of decision-making so that when they feel guilty, they must obey it because that proves to them that they are good. And, and when we talk about how it is that we can uh, sort of dismantle that kind of thinking because they feel very trapped in it at the same time that they are honoring it, they feel very trapped in it. So, so how can we go about sort of uh, removing that from the life effort, um, well, it comes down to being able to just not obey the feeling of guilt because it's going to come up. And so how do you walk through that without obeying it? It's a little bit like walking through a fear without obeying it. So uh, you have this fear of heights, for example, but you have to go up to the top of the mountain to um, visit your grandmother or visit your mother or something like that. And so you... You have to learn to get up past your fear. And how you do that is you feel the fear, but you do it anyway. And it's the same thing with guilt. We can feel the guilt, but not obey it. So, so that's what it comes down to is being able to say, you know what, the guilt is a lie. But here's what we're afraid of. We're afraid that if we don't honor that guilt, then that makes us into a bad person. We must be selfish. We must be, you know... Um, somehow less than we and and we trust this so much 
Um, and when, and we can judge all of life based on it. We can judge what's happening in our lives in terms of its suffering. We can ha- judge other people. We can judge them by whether or not they are doing what we think they ought to do. We have discerned our life from this whole pol- good evil polarity. We have our, every, everything from our hospitals to our government to our schools to our, to everything, everything in life falls along this continuum in some kind of way in our minds that it's either good or bad. It even comes down to our tastes. You know, we like spinach and we hate uh, macaroni. Maybe it's reversed. We <laughs> like macaroni and we hate spinach. But we, 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 everything is good or bad. And so the spinach is bad and the macaroni is good. Um, so... It's not morally bad or good, but it is preferentially bad or good. And if we could use the terms simply in that way, it would be great. But that's not how we use them most of the time. If something's good, it has a moral overtone to it. And if it's bad, it has a moral overtone to it or undertone or subtext. So when we talk about this whole thing about good and bad, we're shaking loose the foundations of something that a lot of people, if they were listening to me right now, would be saying, what are you talking about? Are you trying to make the world go to hell in a handbasket? Well, according to them, the world is already going to hell in a basket, handbasket, so I'm probably not going to make much more damage with my little speech here today. But I talk about this a lot in the book called Inhabiting Heaven Now. And, and so we're going to really, really hone in on this. The idea is that if we don't have rules and laws in order to that will perpetuate a guilty conscience then we will become bad people and so everybody's got a code even the people who are living on the street have a code the the code of the street back when i was doing alcohol and drug treatment in a, uh as a uh in a treatment facility doing uh, family and counseling in a in a treatment facility what happened there was so many times uh, the the ethic was if somebody came into the drug facility and brought drugs in with them, which is very common, um, others would not tell on them. Even if they were white-knuckling it through and it was causing them great suffering or if they were being literally uh, tested to see if they would go ahead and take the drugs, they still would not tell because the snitch is the bitch. And so you just don't tell. You just don't do that. If you're on the streets... You, uh, that's your, that's your law. The snitch is the bitch and you will not tell on somebody else. So, um, they would have, their, their treatment was being, um, contaminated by somebody else's choices, but they did nothing about it. They wouldn't even protect themselves from it because you can't tell on somebody. So wherever we go, there are codes, there are, there are cultural, moral and and uh, even immoral codes for behavior. So we have aculturalized this moral ethic so much that it is in everything. And, and it is not working for us. I'm going to say that again. It is not working for us. We have had these same codes for centuries and centuries, and the world has not evolved into a better place morally. You know, if people would look at what we hear about today, um, uh, all the way from the movies we see to what happens on the streets, and say that we live in a very immoral world, particularly people who live by those morals. So, 
the world is not getting better in terms of its morality. Maybe we're getting technically more uh, smart. Maybe we're getting some, uh, more savvy about money. Although uh, the way that that works right now is that our that we're it's kind of lopsided, where there's a lot of uh, a few wealthy people who owns a lot of the big a big percentage of the money. But here here's what the thing is: is we are afraid that if we don't have these laws, we will not and this moral code that's inside of us we will not behave well we will become bad people and the earth really will just totally turn on its ear and become this horrible place nothing there's nothing another sodom and gomorrah is what we think but the truth is that we have the compassion and the passion within us to operate according to a uh, an ethic without the codes and without the morals why because we are not separate from the divine. We are not separate from the divine. We are divine beings. We may have forgotten who we are, and we've forgotten it so badly that in some religions it's blasphemous to say that we're divine beings. But it's not just that I'm a divine being. You're a divine being, and everyone you know is a divine being, and everyone I know is a divine being. We're all divine beings, and we are that whether we know it or not. And so when we cover that up with a bunch of moral codes, we could be missing out on the truest life essence of what true, quote-unquote, goodness really is all about. You know the difference between somebody who's just moral and somebody who has a compassionate, open, passionate heart. You know the difference between those people. And so do I. And we really prefer the person with the open, passionate, and compassionate heart over the person who's very moral. And yet, we still are afraid that if we let go of our morals, we're going to go to hell in a handbasket. So it's really important for us to, uh, to uh, do some personal self-assessment with regard to what this means. In terms of things like our codes about selfishness, that's one of the ones that we've talked about here on the show before and can talk about again. It is. It has to do with if I am if I am doing something that I want to do, I consider that to be a selfish deed. In Alabama, people will say, "Well, this is selfish, but I'm going to have. I, I've just got to do it." What they really mean is that. I know that I'm doing something that everybody thinks is selfish, but I got to do it anyway. Okay, so what do we mean by selfish? Typically, what most people mean when they call someone selfish is they're not doing what I want them to do. In other words, you are not uh, coming to mow my lawn this coming Saturday because that's what I need you to do because you want to go fly a kite with your children. Well, how dare you? I I need my lawn mode, and you're supposed to, you've always done it before. Well, why are you suddenly changing your mind? You've very much inconvenienced me. I think you're selfish. And if I said that to you and made you feel guilty enough about it, maybe I'd get you to mow my lawn. So that's how that works. And it, it works on a small scale and a large scale. It works in all kinds of ways. People can make other people feel guilty for being selfish by doing because they're doing what they want. But here's the thing. The word God... The name Jehovah, as it is written in the Hebrew text, and also as we see it when we really look at the language in other sacred texts around the world, falls down to the word Ava, which means desire, to desire. So desire is sacred 
it's sacred. And to ignore it in favor of the code is to miss out on really true goodness. In, in fact, holiness is another word for wholeness. We become whole when we, we unite all the various aspects of the self. So when we split off into various compartments, we're not whole. And if I am trying very hard to repress my murderous tendencies, <laughs> then what's happening is that's going to go into a compartment. So when I drive down the freeway, I'm going to act in some very dangerous ways for myself and other people because I've repressed that, but it's coming out in my behavior. Repressed energy does not stop the energy from being active. It just stops us from being conscious of it. So when, so when we act out, we say that you, words, you use the words act out, what we're saying is you're acting out of a compartmentalized part of your unconscious, but the energy is still there. So we're not going to behave any better by telling ourselves that we don't, shouldn't think that way or shouldn't feel that way. We're going to behave better when we feel better, when we know ourselves to be whole, when we have united these various aspects. So what needs to happen there is that I need to find a way to have some kind of dialogue with my murderous tendencies and, and, and put them in a proper perspective, put, place them where they belong. Because we all do need some aspect of self that says, I will protect me at all costs. And there are times when that will come, become necessary, might become necessary. So if I'm in a very dangerous situation and someone is trying to kill me, then I need to, might need to be able to fight. Now, I might fight with words. I might fight with, uh, you know, trying to convince them. I might fight w- by literally physically fighting. There might be all kinds of ways to, for me to fight. But I'm fighting because I love myself. And I'm fighting against something in you that tells me that I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be allowed to be on this planet. Um, and that, that's, so that's a valuable, important energy that we all need at times. We might need it, you know, urgently at times. So it, it's really important for us to be able to say, I need every aspect of me and I need to be able to find a way to put them all together. And that's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. In this world of instant uh, gratification, we are looking for an immediate cure and a lot of the spiritual energy, spiritual teaching that has gone on over the past 15, 20 years has taught us that if we, you know, say the right words or do the right ritual, we'll make these things go away. But really, we're just repressing them. So we need to be able to put them in their proper channel. There is a channel for all kinds of energies. My anger is important. My fear is important. My love is important. My passion is important. My compassion is important. Every aspect of me is important. And for me to be able to relegate some of it to the unconscious and say to myself, I shouldn't have that, is for me to divide myself up into pieces. Therefore, I'm not whole, and therefore, I'm not holy. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. 
Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students served includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. He also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIHT's models is the exploratory nature of studies that reaches to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. 
So we're talking today about the myth of morality. And that those two words don't generally go together very well uh, because we tend to think that morality is this very special thing uh, that even people who don't believe in any Western religion or any Eastern religion will say, you know, we need to be good people. We, we need to be moral people. And it's because we're afraid that if we don't have these moral codes, the world and individuals will just, as we said, go to hell in a handbasket. The world will just fall apart. There'll be anarchy. There'll be people burning people in the street. There'll be horrible things happening all over the world. The only thing that constrains us are these moral codes. But that isn't true. The thing that constrains us, if we are constrained, is something inside of us. The thing that Jesus kept saying and the thing that many of the great master teachers say is that the inner world is what matters. It isn't what we internalize from the external world that has any powerful effect, but what really is going on inside of us, whether it be classically considered bad or, or good. We, we, everything that we do that is quote-unquote bad comes from inside of us. Everything that we do that is quote-unquote good also comes from inside of us. It doesn't come from a moral code. In fact, if we do something just because it is the right thing to do or the seemingly right thing to do, we may be operating in a, in a, in a fog zone, in a place where we're really not being true to who we are. And people feel it. We can feel the difference when somebody does something from true compassion and when they do it from obligation. Obligation to a code, obligation to guilt, obligation to other people, whatever. We know the difference. We feel it. So it's very important for us to think about this. This whole thing of morality, as we said in the last segment, is not working. It is not making the world a better place. What makes the world a better place is people coming from their hearts when heart is filled with compassion or passion. So... The problem with morality and the morality myth is that we base our worthiness on it. That's a huge problem because if I believe that I'm an unworthy person, I'm going to act in some unworthy ways and I'm going to live out that identity. So let's talk about identities for just a minute. If I'm raised in a home, let's just make up an example here. If I'm raised in a home where I'm abused frequently, and or I'm told that I'm bad frequently, and or I am, there's a lot of hyper-religiosity around me, and I'm told that, you know, there are certain things that are evil, and, you know, when you do that, you're bad, and things like that. If I am, if that is communicated to me verbally, non-verbally, or physically, then I may begin to identify with, quote-unquote, badness. So I'm going to grow up feeling not worthy to fit into the other world where other people are good. And so I'm going to want to hang out with people that aren't fitting into that world. They have their own world. These are the people of the street, the gangs, the people who, who drop out of school, the people that are considered bad in our world, according to our moral standards. And I'm going to not only hang out by, with them, but I'm going to influence them and they're going to influence me. And we're all going to work together because we found a group, we found a tribe, we found a, some people where we belong, and we're going to do that. And, and I'm going to do more and more bad just to prove that I exist. Identity is how we prove to ourselves that we exist. These are the things that I do. My identity 
pretty much defines what I do. With its has a parameters around what I do. I don't do many things that are good because I'm a bad person. That that is a parameter. So you know, if I do something that other people might consider good, I don't really call it good because I'm not a good person. I'm a bad person. So uh, I've said this before, but when I used to visit prisons, what I saw there was people who would tell me, hey, lady, I'm a bad dude. You need to stay away from me. And what they really meant is this is who I see myself being. And you must be one of those good people. So, you know, don't get around me. But really what they were saying from their passion and compassion was I care about you, so I don't want to hurt you. So where was their badness in that statement? We get these things all confused. And these same people would do really good things for other inmates in the prisons, but they didn't. They hid them. They kept it a secret. So nobody could call it good because they had so identified with being bad. We can do the same exact thing with good. I can identify as I'm a good person and I will live my entire life serving other people. I will do it for other people and do it for other people until I'm utterly exhausted. That There's no room in my life for me because if I keep on finding ways to do for other people, I'm going to finally shut myself out completely because the ultimate goodness in this world of the myth of morality is sacrifice. If I sacrifice myself for you, then I, am, I must be truly holy. Because sacrifice is the ultimate. But the truth is that Jesus said that God loves mercy, not sacrifice. And furthermore, uh, other spiritual teachers have said the same thing. But furthermore, he also said that he had already overcome before he died on the cross. A lot of our Christian motif is based on this idea that Jesus sacrificed his life for our sins. And never did Jesus ever say that. But he did say that he had already overcome. He had already overcome what I call the duality trance state because he was living fully aware of himself as a divine being. And so was the Buddha. And how he probably wouldn't have called it divine, but self, no self is the same concept. And uh, so does the Bhagavad Gita tell us that we, can be, we are to live into the divine self. It uses that language. So the the... The sacred texts of the world, when we look at the root language, is, are actually telling us all the same thing, that we are divine beings who have forgotten who we are. And the, one of the reasons we have forgotten is because of morality. One of the reasons we have forgotten who we are is because we believe that we have to be good people, that there's a bad we could also be. And so we have to be good so we won't be bad. And that whole thing is based in a split a split between the conscious and the unconscious that says, I'm not, I am separate from the divine, therefore I have to be good in order to get close to the divine because the divine is so good, it wouldn't want to be close to me because I'm not worthy. And one of the things that you find that's so beautiful in the book of Revelation in the, in the Christian Bible is this idea that, that um, we are worthy. And not only are we worthy, but our bodies are worthy. The word garment there is the same words that's used in the original text of Genesis when they talked about God giving man garments, which was actually his physical body. Our physical body has become worthy. How did that happen? By the influx of divine energy into the human mind, meaning that the, the mind and the chakras have opened to receive what is already there. I could spend a whole decade talking about that. But I'm just going to 
put that little hint out there for you. I've got a book that I hopefully will come out in the next year that will tell much more about that. But the, but the idea here is this. Morality is a problem. It is not a solution. It makes us unworthy. It makes us divide our consciousness up into good and evil. It makes us, uh, keeps us from being able to know who we are because we're so busy trying to be good and or bad that we, we can't really find out who we are really. These are problems. So, so if our worthiness is based in morality and I am living by a code that says I must be worthy by doing certain things, then if I can't quite always live up to that code, then I'm never going to quite be worthy. And we've got this thing so convoluted that if I, if I can live into my code, um, then I'm, I'm striving to be worthy. If I stop striving to be worthy, then I really must be a bad person. But if I can ever say, if I ever do strive enough to get to a place where I think, well, maybe I'm worthy now, then I'm automatically not worthy because I've just said I was worthy and that's arrogant. We're never going to get there this way. We're never going to get to a sense of worthiness this way. This morality game, this morality mythology keeps us from that. So our codes go like this. They say, don't be selfish. If you're selfish, you're a bad person. But the truth is that the only, that, that I'm getting something out of everything that I do. If I do it for you, I'm still gaining from it. If I do it for the world, I'm still gaining from it because I'm living into my own joy. Because if I give it to you out of just the utter joy of doing that, then I'm getting the joy. There's just no way to separate me from what I do enough to mean that I don't get something out of everything I do. So if I'm, if I'm giving, 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 giving constantly, um, and yet I do it from joy, I gain a lot. One of the scriptures in the Bible that talks about love says that if I give, my, give everything that I own, even give my body to be burned, but it does not come from love, it means nothing. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look it up. It means nothing. My sacrifice of everything I have and everything I am means absolutely nothing because it doesn't come from love. Now, I got to tell you, folks, that's an inside job, and there is no way to should yourself into loving. You cannot tell yourself to love someone. You either got it or you don't. Now, how are you going to get it? You're going to get in touch with your divine energy. And it, you'll just receive that. It's just already there. You just receive it. And it loves. That's it. That's it. We make it so hard, but it's so easy. So all my loving deeds come from that divine energy. All my truly loving deeds come from that divine energy. But we have this code that says don't be selfish. So what we do is we should ourselves into obligation. And we call that loving. We call that kindness. It's not kindness. It's not love. It's not genuine. And guess what? It means nothing. Same thing with feel guilty. It's good for you. Because feeling guilty means that I'm, I'm, I must be a good person and I'm going to do good deeds because guilt is going to make me do that. But my goodness comes from my divine nature. I don't have to do that. There's a right and a wrong, that code. That says the whole of morality. So there's a right and a wrong. Well, who says? Who, who decides what that is and what that isn't? 
Jesus' term for, for righteousness was, when you look at the root language, only Christ truly. That could also mean only Buddha truly, only Krishna truly, only Brahma truly. It could be anything, but it's the, the divine energy. It is, it is only divine energy truly. That's what's righteousness. And if it's not coming from that, it's not going to be truly righteous. It's just not. So you can behave out of right and all this ethic about right and wrong forever and be so right you're wrong. <laughs> you, we're, we're not able to do that out of obligation. It comes from something way deeper. You ought to be ashamed is another one of the codes. And that, that one just eats us alive. Because our sense of ourselves as worthy beings comes from a sense that if we don't do X, Y, and Z, then we're, then we're going to be um, bad people. We're going to not live up to that code that says that we ought to be ashamed if we do certain things. So when we, we say we ought to be ashamed, what that means is if I do something wrong, I ought to feel ashamed about it. Well, first, the, the question comes up is what is wrong? I can find a gift in every mistake I've ever made. I could probably find a gift in every mistake you've ever made if we sit down and talk about it. Uh, you, would you be able to find the same gift? Not if you're blinded by the myth of morality. But if you can let go of that for a little while, you might be able to find the gift in every mistake you've ever made. And if that's true, then why should we be ashamed of our mistakes? So there's another fallacy. What good does it do to be good or bad? What good does it do to, to fight the big battle? It doesn't. It doesn't do any good to fight that battle because we're not going to win it. We're not going to win it, and it's been proven for centuries now. We've been fighting the same battle with, with evil for centuries, and we have gotten nowhere. It's not working. This whole plan we've devised about morality is not working. We have to go deeper. The idea that we're supposed to be loyal first to duty is another one of those mistaken or fallacies. It's a mistaken idea. It's a fallacy. We, uh, if we're loyal first to duty, what that means is that duty, obligation, comes before compassion and passion. It comes before what's genuine inside of us. So what's genuine inside is I have a, a deep desire to go and do something on Saturday instead of mowing your lawn for you. And this desire is leading me, and it has a gift for me, and I'm going to follow it. My desire is sacred, and I'm going to follow it. Now, I'm not talking about a want that says I need another beer. <laughs> I'm talking about a deep desire that's leading me, that's, that says, yes, this is important, do it. I'm going to do that instead of mowing your lawn for you and you're going to tell me that I haven't done my duty and my obligation and you're going to try to make me feel guilty about it. That's morality. It has nothing to do with what goes on inside me that is a keen, deep-seated spiritual desire leading me to something deep and divine. So what has happened then is the culture of morality, which is worldwide, has been seen as right. That's the right thing to do, and the wrong thing to do is to go against that culture of morality. So today I'm going against the culture of morality. I don't know whether I'll get any hate mail or not, but I'm going against the culture of morality. And I'm saying that there's something higher, something bigger, something better, something more authentic, something much more genuine than morality. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more right after the break. 
And you're going to get to hear uh, a little segment from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday. You don't want to miss that. So be back with us in just a few minutes. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Tune in to Spirit Speaks every week for advice just for you that is channeled from Divine Source. Host Amiya is a spiritual teacher and guide who helps listeners actively develop their full potential. Each program includes a channeled soul reading and is ready to discuss the teachings with you every week. Topics include a variety of religious and spiritual aspects, plus healing modalities and intuitive development of self. Spirit Speaks can be heard live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality, live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Channel. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Well, before we go any further, I want to tell you about Oprah's Super Soul Sunday coming up this Feb- uh, this Sunday, February the 15th at 11 a.m. 12 p- to 12 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Time. She's going to sit down with Pastor Rob Bell, one of America's most influential and progressive spiritual leaders, along with his wife, Kristen. And they're going to explore a new way of understanding marriage as, as they've put it out in their compelling recent book, The Zim Zoom of Love. Using their own relationship as an example, Rob and Kristen share insights gleaned from over 20 years of their ups and downs and joys and struggles and share their keys to building a healthy and lasting relationship. In the process, they'll talk about heartbreak and a lot of different aspects of marriage. In 1999, at just age 28 years of age, Rob founded one of the fastest growing churches in America, Mars Hill Bible Church, where he pastored until 2011, and he was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. Most recently, Rob hosted the own primetime special, The Rob Bell Show, and was featured speaker tour trailblazer on Oprah's The Life You Want Weekend, Oprah Winfrey's multi-city arena tour that traveled throughout the United States in the fall of 2014. So, 
Rob has come to tell us about Rob and his wife have both come to tell us about their marriage and about how to build a really lasting and intimate, good, healthy relationship. So you want to be there for that on this Sunday, February the 15th on 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Eastern and Pacific time. So listen to that clip right now. What's the secret to a great marriage? I think it's having that intention that that intention that is your foundation that I'm I am for you and you are for me and we're in this together we're creating this thing together we get to go on this adventure called life together mm-hmm. yeah we always we always talk about marriage as a creative act you're mm-hmm. creating something new in the world mm-hmm. and for many people it it becomes heavy it becomes let's just try to stay together duty obligation <laughs> as opposed to we get to make something with this life mm-hmm. and the two of us get to go on an adventure and create something new so every problem becomes not oh my word are we going to make it but well look what came down the road today i wonder what this will produce mm-hmm. i wonder what we'll learn through this mm-hmm. it's like a shift in how you view life and life together isn't an adventure in which you actually get to create and co-create a life Beautiful. And he's just uh, talked right about what we're talking about today with this whole idea of the difference between duty and obligation and what's genuine between two people. So that's true in relationship and it's true in our individual lives as well. So again, be present Sunday, Super Soul Sunday, February the 15th on OWN at 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Time. So we're talking today about the myth of morality. And what we have said so far is that it's not working. And we've talked about several different aspects of that and how twisted our thinking is about it. But now we want to talk about how we can get out of the myth of morality, how we can start living from something different than morality. It's a scary idea for most of us that we're going to slip out of morality and into something different, something more genuine. But how do we get to the genuine? That's the big question. How do we get to the divine self? How do we trust that there's a divine self in there? It's going to be hard, I'm going to tell you. The idea of duality has such a grip on our minds that it's really hard for us to imagine that there's not a good and evil, that we've made all that up, that everything has a purpose and everything has a place and everything is happening just like it's supposed to along the pathway to our opening up. Now, why would we need to go through that? Well, it's to put duality to rest forever for all the universe. If there's people on other planets, we're doing it for them too. So this is a big deal. Us taking the choice to be down here, living through duality and find something better and higher and more genuine. But that's what we're here to do. We're not here to live in morality. We're here to do away with duality and become the divine beings we are in form, in our bodies. So the pathway to doing that starts with something very simple like meditation. If, if you are not meditating, I would encourage you to begin the, the process of meditating. And by that, I don't mean sit down for hours and hours a day and try to get yourself right with God. I mean to take a few minutes, take a, you know, two minutes of a morning or an evening and just sit quietly and listen to what goes on inside of you and listen to what's going on outside of you and just be present with that. Just be present with that. As you do that and practice that, what will begin to happen is that you will become more mindfully aware of what's going on inside of you. Yes, you will see some inner conflicts. Yes, you might see some pain. Yes, you might see some joy. But what you're going to see is from the observer mode, you're going to be able to look at that and go, oh, 
that's inside me. Oh, I see that now. Instead of, oh my God, that's inside me. Boy, I must be some kind of sick person. Or look how unworthy I am. Look how bad I am. We're going to have to suspend that kind of thinking and start thinking from the perspective of, um, look at that. Just let me look at that. Let me explore that. Let me see that. And as you do that, just opening the door, your your genuine self, your divine self, which has an energy all its own, will begin to come forth because you've made room for it in your psyche. So it works exactly the same as trying to remember your dreams. You know, you've heard people say this a hundred times, I'm sure, that you uh, you tell yourself you want to start remembering your dreams and you put a tablet beside your bed with a pen and now you've behaved in a way that your body and your mind and your unconscious begin to believe that, yep, yeah, she's serious. She wants to remember her dreams or, yes, he's serious. He wants to remember his dreams. And guess what? You start remembering your dreams because you're prepared for it. And and your dreams start coming forward and then you write them down and you sort of dedicate yourself to trying to understand the riddle of your dreams. And what happens is you begin to understand them better and you begin to understand yourself better. And what happens is you could continue to dream even more. And what's happening is your psyche is saying, oh yeah, she's ready for information now or he's ready for information now. Let's give it to her. So that that that. That idea is exactly the same. We make a little room in our lives for the divine self to come forward, and it will come forward. And you will begin to feel it. You'll begin to see it. You'll begin to see some synchronicity in your life. You'll run into things that 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 really are meaningful to you, that you've already been thinking about, and it will go, oh, yeah, here it is. And you will begin to feel that lighter sense of being that comes from just being present with yourself. That's the process as it begins. And as it unfolds, it does require that we both be willing to see the divine self in us and willing to see all the um, structures we've built to sort of keep ourselves in touch with the world where the world says this is the moral code and you have have to have that. So we will see the things that we've decided are bad and have compartmentalized into a little section of the unconscious. When we think about the shadow, a lot of us think that the shadow, meaning the unconscious, is this really bad thing. It's this place where we've put a bunch of bad stuff, and it it actually is who we really are. And we don't want to get in touch with that because, wow, we really are evil people. And, and there's some kind of core energy in a lot of us that says that we are a um, core belief system that says that we are evil at the base of who we are. And so we don't want to be. We don't want to let that unconsciousness out of the bag too much because ah, that evil is going to start coming forward. But actually, what we begin to do is what Carl Jung calls differentiating before we integrate. So we'll we'll be able to name those things and name them differently than what we named them before. We named uh, anger as bad before, but now we can begin to name anger as a as a problem solver as an energy of self-salvation, as an energy of self-love. Um, we, we named fear before as bad. You're not supposed to be afraid because that's the opposite of love. That's the thing we're hearing these days, that fear is the opposite of love. And so you're not supposed to be afraid, but we are anyway. So we're just supposed to push that fear away into the unconscious, and what's it going to do? It's going to make us anxious. That's what happens with how we get anxious is we shove fear into the unconscious and it comes out as this low-grade anxiety. So 
then we say, okay, well, I'm afraid anyway, so what am I going to do with this fear? Well, I'm going to have to look at it. I'm going to have to give it a name. And its name isn't bad. Its name isn't opposite of love. Its name is power. Its name is protection. Its name is intuition. Its name is maybe I need to turn, tune into that and find out what its, what, what its name is. These are the ways that we begin to change how we've labeled ourselves. And in that process, what's happening is we're taking down the walls between the various compartments in our minds. And what's happening there is we're becoming more whole. These different compartments are merging or bleeding into each other. And, they're, and, and we are, therefore, becoming more one with ourselves. And as we become more one with ourselves, guess what? We become more one with the divine. For the divine is in us. In fact, heaven, as we have referred to it in the past, is the kingdom of heaven, as it's referred to in the Christian text, um, is the same thing as the self-no-self that the Buddha was talking about. That place where we are divine self. We are the people who can live into our own genuine essence out of compassion and passion for life. And life begins to take on new meaning a new lightness, a new, uh, a new sense of ourselves. Darkness becomes a mystery instead of something to be feared. Struggles become challenges instead of horrible things that have happened to us. We, our life begins to change and we become more open to divine self. Now, will this all happen in a single lifetime? Maybe. I, I can't say that it would or wouldn't. I can say that as we look at the Eastern concept of karma and the Western concept of, you know, going to heaven or hell, when we put those together and look at the root languages in some of the ancient sacred texts of the world, what we see is that karma is actually not punishment for bad deeds. Um, That's a dualistic concept of karma. Karma is not reward for good deeds in a previous life. Karma is actually the divine intention within us to become the divine beings we are. So what I didn't finish learning in one life, I'll pick that up and take that on with me into the next life and and finish one part of the process in the next life, finish another part of the process in another life and another in another life until finally I become a whole person because I'm one soul with many lives. And that's how karma really works. The idea of duality is flooded and bled into everything that we think including karma, including our philosophies of religion, including uh, what we think about uh, how we should behave. I saw the, uh, a quote from the Dalai Lama the other day. They said, just be good people. That's, that's enough. And it would be if, if it were that simple. <laughs> I would say to the Dalai Lama, and I would argue with that. You know, maybe we already are what we call good people. Maybe we are really compassionate, alive, full of energy, passionate beings who can live fully into the divine essence we actually are. But we can only do that by, by opening ourselves to that possibility. We can't do that if we keep squaring off between good and evil. Because we'll put evil in one compartment and good in another. And we'll think we're living out of the one when we're really living out of the other. And that's how it works when, we, when we're toying around with the conscious and unconscious worlds. We can't really shut the unconscious world down. It will come forward. Stuff that we put in there is coming out, whether we like it or not. We won't know it, but everybody else will know it. <laughs> everybody else will be going, yeah, there's your stuff. And we'll be going, what stuff? 
I don't have any stuff. I'm still in this conscious frame of mind that says that's off there in a compartment somewhere. I can't act that way. This is why you see people, you know, you ask them, are they mad? And they go, no, I'm not mad. I'm just, you know, I'm just a little upset. I'm just a little irritated. I'm just, well, guess what? Upset and irritated are degrees of mad. <laughs> They're trying to reframe it because mad is bad. And we don't want to be that, so we've stuck it somewhere else. And it's going to come out. And then people are going to say, oh, yes, you are mad. Mm-hmm. And that's just the mildest example. So the, the myth of morality is that there is a good and an evil. The myth of morality is that we can, by our own will, overcome evil. We've been working on that for centuries. So far, we have had no success. You know the definition of insanity is doing the same old thing and looking for different results. Well, guess what? We've all been doing that for centuries with regard to morality. It's not working. It's time for us to think about it from a deeper perspective. And that's what I want to put out there in the world. I want to say to the world, there is a way to be who you absolutely are and and still be an okay person. <laughs> and that's that's the easiest way to say it. The other way to say it is, You are a divine being, and I am a divine being, and we have forgotten who we are. So when we think about uh, morality, what I want to do is say morality is a game we play that tricks the mind into believing that we have the capacity to overcome evil with good. And we can't overcome evil with good because the minute you knock evil out of the picture, goodness becomes evil to to take its place because what are you going to do? You're knocking it into the unconscious. There's no way to really get rid of these two things. They, they cancel each other out because one is dependent on the other to just exist. Goodness needs evil to show itself good and evil needs good to show itself evil. They cancel each other out. They're illusionary concepts we made up out of the duality trans state. But there is a way to, to overcome the whole duality trans state by living into the divine beingness. And we start with meditation, and then it becomes self-exploration, and then it becomes self-awareness, and then it becomes self-being. That's how it works. So we'll be coming back next week. Don't miss it next week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. See you then. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.